Looks like another year's bit the dust. That's time for you. Eerie today, gaunt tomorrow. <laughs> you can't let it get you down. You gotta do what I do. Throw a killer party. Though old cadavers tend to rot, they're all good friends of mine. I throw a party New Year's Eve for stiffs of every kind. Dead kings and queens and movie stars and politicians too. They all are SVP for my outrageous New Year's do. Every time there's like a line stepped, yeah. you always go, oh boy. <laughs> I think whenever that happens, I go, huh. Oh, so you're, you, are you ready to get started? Are you ready? Bum, bum. <laughs> oh, we're such nerds. You think he can tell us of the cryptus what to do? <laughs> that was tortured. <laughs> I don't know. Half our listeners don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, now I'm going to be thinking about that the whole time. Yeah, I know. I'm going to be like, in the Crypt Keeper, you think that you're better? <laughs> dun, dun. We you better, better get, get ready. ready. To introduce the show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, boils, ghouls, and non-binary fiends. This is the Crypt Keepers. I'm one of the hosts, Spooky Bruce. Joining me, as always, is Baby New Year himself, Horror Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> what up, bitches? <laughs> wow. <laughs> A mouth on you. <laughs> you should see everything else. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get it weird. <laughs> Welcome to the Crypt Keepers. Yeah. What kind of show is this? <laughs> this is the Crypt Keepers, a horror podcast where we analyze episodes of the horror anthology series "Tales from the Crypt" from HBO and the EC books that inspired them. Today we are looking at season three, episode nine. Is ten. it nine? Ten. God. Oh, okay. Today we are looking at episode three. Episode. <laughs> <laughs> Today we are looking at season three, episode ten, "Morning Mess," based on a story from "Tales from the Crypt" number thirty-eight. I got that right. You did. Okay, my man. <laughs> How was your Christmas? It was pretty good. Yeah, it's kind of low key. Um, I I think I already told you before this, but uh, one of the coolest gifts I got a personalized pocket knife. Yeah, with RMFL uh-huh. written on it. Yeah, those who know, they know. Yeah, and a Godzilla plushie. Oh, and I got a cozy book called The Invisible Man. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. H.G. Wells. He cool. Apparently, he's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. He's done some stuff, I heard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was really good to have some time and chill with fam and good. all that stuff. Good. How was your Christmas? It was good. We It was very very low-key as well. We, um, My wife and I are going on the vacation in a, a couple days. Yes. That's so, why we're, it's a very expensive vacation. Well, yeah, yeah they all are. Yeah. Uh, so, we did not exchange gifts this year, me and her. Uh, but it, like I said, it was low key. We ordered Chinese food at noon and they were so busy that it didn't come till two o'clock. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, I watched the original Superman movie from 78 and, uh, my wife and her son watched the, watched bullet train. Nice. Yeah. And, um, something happened to me on Christmas. Like I, I can't say it was low key cause I had a traumatic experience on Christmas. Oh, what's my dog known for? <laughs> Making his presence known in the middle of the room yes yes so um he's getting older he's he's 10 years old now he's a good boy he's a good boy um and it was bitterly cold here on christmas it was like it was in the negatives 
I think it was like negative five. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> his joints did not like it. Yeah. So he'd get out in the cold and he'd start limping a little bit. And then he was like, well, I don't feel like doing this and just sit down in the snow. Oh. Right. So he did that right on his poop that he had just pooped. <gasps> no. Yes. And it froze to his butt. <laughs> oh, my God. So I had to take him inside. And this is a dog that hates getting baths. Like he's oh. terrified of getting baths. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. So I had to pick him up. I actually had to force him to get into the bathroom because he knows if he goes in the bathroom, what's going to happen. That's what it means. And pick him up, this 70 pound dog, put him in the, the bathtub. Mm-hmm. And he is begging the whole time to get out and trying to sneak his way out. But he has frozen poop on his butt. He has frozen poop on his butt. So I had to, Grace had to shut the curtain because he, he's scared to go through the curtain. Yeah. And I had to get in the shower with him Aww. to do it. And every time I'd lift his tail to wipe it, like, to try to spray him off, he'd sit down again. Oh, <laughs> I think he's trolling you. Yeah, he was. Shout out to Poe. So I, was, so I had to wash my dog. Yeah. Then wash out my shitty bathtub and then take a shower myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is like a two hour ordeal. Was that in bet- was that before or after the Chinese food? Uh we ordered the Chinese food, this incident happened, and I finished up right when the Chinese food got there. I bet that was really tasty food after you got it, done with that. Yeah, I could not finish it. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> That's a good Christmas. I mean, other than the shitty situation. Yeah. <laughs> but uh shout out to Poe. Yeah. Thanks, Poe. Good good boy. Good, good. boy. Well, he actually went to time. school with me. One day. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you told me. Yeah, um, he, he's a college-educated dog now. He's more educated than I am. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, I haven't actually been watching that much other than Letterkenny, which yeah. I'm obsessed with. But I got a couple new games I've been playing. What have you been playing? Well, like you, like you're going on vacation. Uh-huh. Me and Natalie, we decided to upgrade our TV yeah. finally yeah. to 4K. And so that was our big gift to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really do much. And I was like, you know what? I got a PS5. I got a 4K TV finally. Yeah. I always wanted to play Ghost of Tsushima. Okay, cool. And I'm about 10 hours into it. Yeah. And I fucking love it. Great. It's one of the most beautiful games I've ever played. It's so cool. Yeah. And Natalie's been getting more into games. Right now she's playing Horizon. Uh, yeah. The new Horizon. Uh, Far out. West or something. Yeah. Forbidden West. Forbidden West. Or yeah. And so we were sitting around, I think it was Christmas or maybe the day after, and... We t- I love Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we were talking about it, and I was like, well, technically, there's a Resident Evil game I've never played. It's called Resident Evil Revelations 2. Oh. And it's a two-player co-op game. Okay. Where one person has the guns, uh-huh. but the other person has melee weapons and the flashlight. That's weird. So they can't really protect themselves other than stunning enemies uh-huh. and lighting up yeah. pathways so they need me but i can't see anything oh gosh unless there's a flashlight oh wow and so we were having so much fun playing that it's a really <laughs> short game yeah and so uh we're probably a little less than halfway through it mm-hmm. after like one evening so okay. probably in like two or three nights we'll finish it yeah but i'm having such a blast that's cool it's so cool and i think fingers crossed uh-huh. she's gonna give uh a single player resident evil game a shot Okay, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she likes um, Jill okay. Valentine. So I'm going to suggest to her to play the Resident Evil 3, 3 remake yeah. with um, Nemesis. Mm-hmm. I think she'll have a lot of fun with that. It is really cute, though, because there are certain parts in the game where you have to split up yeah. to solve a puzzle. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, no. <laughs> I don't feel comfortable because she's there with a, a, a le- like a lead pipe yeah. uh, and a flashlight and that's it. No, no. And I'm walking around with a shotgun, a pistol, a magnum and I'm just like, what? What's the problem? <laughs> you don't understand. Um, 
I've been playing this game Vampire. It came out years ago. Like the PC game? Uh, or maybe I'm thinking the Masquerade. You, that's what you're thinking about. Okay. I have played that, though. That was fun. I heard um, it was really good. Uh, I though this is vampire with a Y instead of an I and no E on the end. Ooh, and, sexy! Uh, it's a really weird game. I've become like enthralled with it. Um, yeah. It's not. I would. I, I don't think it was very popular when it came out. Mm-hmm. In fact, like it it came out. I think it like did not make a make make many sales or whatever. Right. Um, I got it for Christmas from somebody. I think like my in laws. Right. Mm-hmm. And then my parents that same Christmas gave me. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. So I never <laughs> oh, like thought about Vampire. Yeah. And I was looking for something to play the other day. And I remember I saw it in my collection. I was like, well, I never like finished this beyond like the introduction. So right. I tried to play it. It's really cool. It's like uh, you're a vampire in the uh, the early 1900s in London during the influenza epidemic. But you're also a doctor. Oh. And so you go around and you can heal people. Like you can make like cures for diseases and stuff while you're being a vampire. Mm-hmm. And you get like you um, you level up quicker if you feed on the peep, the NPCs around you, but in order to do so, you have to get to know them because it raises their blood quality. So you're actually getting like humanizing these people that you're supposed to be preying on. And you have to make decisions about, okay, like if I want to fight these enemies, I need to become more powerful. It means I need to prey on these people. Hmm. Yeah. That sounds super interesting. Yeah. And a lot of times it's like, there is no good solution to your problems. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It seems like a moral thing. Are you a doctor or are you a vampire? Well, one of the things, too, is like as you're a doctor, you have to decide between like, hey, there's this guy who is like he styles himself as your protege. Like he's been following your work forever. Mm -hmm. And there is a patient in the hospital who's been injured. And he's like, hey, this technique I've developed could help this patient. Mm -hmm. But there's another doctor there who does not like you. That is also like if you do this. And he's a smart doctor. He's right. not He's not just doing this because he hates you, but he does hate you. Right. He's like, if you do this, it'll kill him. Oh. So you have to decide between them. Oh, no. Like, what's the best course of options? What did you do? Can't tell you. God damn it, Bruce. <laughs> because I, I haven't only... decided yet. <laughs> ah, there it is. There it is. Uh, so it's vampire, V-A-M-P-Y-R-E? Yeah. No, no E. Oh, just R. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I wonder if that's on PlayStation. I'd I don't be know. Interested. But, um. Like I said, it's not like it, it's definitely like a seven game, but I, it's been scratching itches. I didn't know I had so cool. Yeah, yeah, that sounds dope. Yeah. Um, speaking of feeding on people, of feeding on people. <laughs> Good, thank you. You're that. welcome. I had a brain fart. Um, I saw that wild eye stare you got there for a right. second. <laughs> I do my notes days before, and I, I like between band practices and working and stuff. Like I just have. Uh, I just disassociate yeah. from time to time. Mm-hmm. And Nat- Natalie's like, hey, what episode are you going to cover tonight? And I'm like, fuck. I think this is the time of year for disassociation. Like, oh, yeah. you don't know what day of the, you don't know what day of the week it is or like even what time it is, like right. between Christmas and New Year's. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, it's super weird. And I think a lot of people also get like, um, just want to give a big uh, shout out to everyone who may be having issues yeah. or uh, difficulties during this season. Yeah, It can be. Uh, with all the bright lights and all the Honda commercials, yeah. which is fucking stupid. Who yeah. buys someone a car for Christmas? <laughs> yeah, a psychopath, right? Who does not who does not communicate with their spouse, right? Yeah. Exactly. Because um, every time I see that, I'm like, what did they do? Yeah, what did they do? <laughs> hey, thank you for making this giant financial decision without my input. <laughs> yes, and then put it on my shoulders as though it's my responsibility. Right. <laughs> um, but I just want to you guys will give me a child, right? <laughs> I just want to. Uh, wish everyone a happy holidays yeah. and if you're you know going through the funk during this season it's completely understandable 
Uh, it happened to me. You know, I'm sure mm-hmm. it happens to a lot of people. So yeah, just uh, keep your head up. It's yeah. almost over. It's almost over. Yeah, <laughs> we're almost, be a, it'll be a whole line, new year. Baby. We get to do it all over again. Yeah, I'm excited for you to go on your trip. I, I mean, that's really too, why I'm, we're recording early. Yeah, yeah, we are recording early. This might come out early. This might come out. I might schedule it for whatever. Right. Um. So, yeah. So we are recording this a bit earlier. It might come out earlier just because I am leaving. I am leaving the North American continent. Oh my god. Yeah. I've never left Men, the continent. I mean, mankind was not meant to fly for this long. I've never met. I, you know what? I've never left the country. Really? Yeah, well, I have. No, I haven't. Once I was an exchange student in England. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah you mentioned that. I, I did the lazy exchange student How, what program. Like? Well, I went to a, a place that speaks English. So <laughs> that's dope. <laughs> yeah, it was dope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you have authentic fish and chips? Oh yeah, yeah. That's my favorite food. I heard that the the fish uh-huh. is massive. Yeah. Like, it can the be, servings yeah. are huge. Yeah. And then one time I went, to, I went, they took me to this, the family I was staying with, the last night I was there, took me to this really fancy restaurant. And of course, I ordered fish and chips. Yeah. And it wasn't the traditional fish and chips. It was like artsy fish and chips? Yeah. It came with the chips, as you expect the chips to be. But the fish was not a, bre- a breaded and battered fish. Mm. It was like these, like, it almost looked like anchovies that still had the heads on them. Oh, fuck that. Yeah. Boo. Shit was gross. It. I ate it anyway because I didn't want to be a bad host. And oh yeah. Also, I had haggis while I was there, and that's great. What is it? Haggis. Oh, I don't. I've never had it. Yeah, it's great. Oh, it yeah. tastes like a very sweet meatloaf. Oh yeah, hey, I'm down with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. But um, we wish you a good trip. Yeah, thank you for sure. Next week, it's very exciting. Yeah, I'm excited for you. Yeah, hope you all have a great time. Yeah, it'll be sick. <laughs> Speaking of sick, there's some weird puppies in this episode. There, there is some weird puppies in this episode. Yeah. So this is. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of lost my train of thought there too, because we're in the limbo days. Of when we, the, when, the, we, when our year. eyes meet, we just yeah, just go we away. get lost in them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, you want to go into the the um, synopsis? <laughs> Let's do it. Where are we? All right, this is undertaking. No shit, <laughs> this is not undertaking. Baller Farler. This is morning mess. Like I said earlier, from season three, episode ten. Thank you, Ryan. Written and directed by Manny Cotto, starring Steven Weber, Rita Wilson, Allie Walker, and Vincent Skiv... Shit. Skivelli? Yeah, and Vincent Skivelli. Man, I practice that so much at home, too. Skivelli, Skivelli, Skivelli. Then my eyes hit the word, and it just... (laughs) When I wrote that in my notes, like Mm -hmm. the the cast listing, I was like, I'm glad I don't have to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Sweeney, a down-on-his-luck reporter, is tasked with covering the grand opening of a cemetery for the homeless, run by the grateful homeless, outcasts, and unwanted layaway society. Fired from his job for chronic alcoholism and tardiness, Sweeney receives a tip connecting the murders of the homeless to the new cemetery. Believing this could be his big break, Sweeney investigates. He digs a bit too deep and discovers the true purpose of the cemetery and the charity running it. Dun, 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 dun. I like digs too deep. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, um, this reminded me somewhat. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both talked about um, the Guillermo del Toro show. Yes. I, what's it called? You're thinking Cabin. of you're going to be uh, uh, Kevin the Curiosities. Yes. You're thinking of Pickman's model. My favorite fucking episode of that whole season. I hated it. I fucking loved it. <laughs> no. Okay. So we'll we'll talk about that because I think this is uh, this is or this does owe a lot to. Uh, Pickman's model. 
Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, so we have star uh, directing, writing and directing it is Manny Cotto. Um, he actually hasn't written and directed much, but you do know what he's written and directed. You've like heard of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he did um, uh, that old anthology series. I think that was in the eighties called Monsters. Yeah, kind of precursor to Tales from the Crypt. He did Doctor Giggles. He was the writer and director on that. I don't think I've seen it. Oh, really? It has Larry Drake, the guy from All Through the House. Oh, the yeah, Santa yeah. Claus, yeah. As the villain, the uh, evil dentist, Dr. Giggles. Doctor, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. And he has done some episodes of American Horror Stories, which I don't recommend to anybody. I think I've only seen one season. Yeah, okay. he actually, the one he did was decent, but it, it, yeah, they're not. No, American Horror Stories was an anthology series uh, based on American Horror Story. Oh, okay. yeah. That came okay. out a year or two ago. Okay. So each episode is a different story, but they had some of the episodes had connections to the other seasons. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've only seen, I think the only one I ever saw was the season that tied in with the Black Dahlia murder. Okay. That was like the first the season. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. That I was the first it was really season. good. Yeah. And then I couldn't get, I think I tried to watch Asylum and I couldn't get into no, it. No, I think that, you know, and I have given Ryan Murphy a chance every season. Yeah. And by the end of it, I was like, I hate this shit. I'm not doing it anymore. And then by, by the next season, I'm watching it again. Uh, and so the last time I think I watched one was like three years ago. Mm. So I, I just gave up. Yeah. yeah that, I that's can't. okay. But yeah. to each their own. Uh, he's also a writer on Alfred Hitchcock Presents, uh, Tales from the Crypt Keeper, which is the children's series based on Tales from the Crypt. Which needs to be on DVD. Yeah, it I does. I can't find it. it, it it's on YouTube, I think. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Enterprise with the Star Trek series. 24, Dexter. The Exorcist TV series, which is excellent. I highly recommend that. I've never seen um, it. It is a good, uh, it's a good sequel series to the original Exorcist movie. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, uh, of course, American Horror Story, like I said. Then we have Steven Weber as Sweeney, the reporter. This dude, he has like 172 credits to his name. He's only been around for 40 years. He has credits like guys who've been like around since like the 50s or 60s. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's been in things like Hamburger Hill, DS9, uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It, That's the Mel Brooks movie. movie. Yeah, yeah, he was he was Jonathan Harker in that. Okay. Uh, he was in the Shining remake, the TV miniseries. He oh, was, he was Jack Palance. Oh, Not Jack cool. Palance, Jack, Jack uh, Torrance. Oh, cool. Um, he was in uh, Masters of Horror, uh, Nightmares and Dreamscapes, which was um, another Stephen King series. Oh, cool. um, he was in Psych, Fallen Skies, uh, Wilfred, uh, regular show, which you're a fan uh, of. Yep, yeah, he did a, vo- a couple of voices on there. Uh, Community, uh, I Zombie. He's been Alfred in a bunch of WB movies. Why is there this weird connection with a bunch of Tales from the Crypt actor- actors and doing and, DC and DC stuff? But it's not. It's not just DC. So like he'll be in a Scooby Doo movie. Where they did a Scooby Doo series re- like a few years ago, where it'd be like a team up. It'd be Scooby. It's called Scooby Doo and Who. And uh, there'll okay. always be someone he's teaming up with every episode. And one episode was Batman, and he played Alfred in that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, Channel Zero, Thirteen Reasons Why. Which Jesus Christ, have you ever seen that show? No. Don't. I heard it. It was very. Um, it's polarizing. It's very polar. It, uh, yeah, and it's very disturbing. And th- this is controversial. I might have to cut this part out. Okay. Five minutes later. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, cut that out. Yeah, <laughs> but um, his his biggest claim to fame, Stephen Weber, is he was on he was one of the stars of Wings. Oh, yeah, right. back yeah. in the nineties. Yeah, that's his that's his big claim to fame. Then we have Rita Wilson as Jess. You will find out who she is in the moment. She likes the party. She likes she does like the party. Um, eighty three credits to her name. She's most known for being Tom Hanks' wife. 
Uh, in real life. In real life, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. I didn't now, know honestly, that. like, she's been in a ton of stuff, but, like, if you put a gun to my head and said, name a Rita Wilson movie or I'm going to kill you, I'd be dead. Damn. Yeah. Like, I don't know any, like, like, I see the list of stuff she's been in, but, I, like, I can't name, like, oh, that's a famous Rita Wilson role. She, in not a negative way, she has a very, just, gen, I don't just, say generic, but it seems rude. But, I mean, she's wonderful. She in blends the, in. Yes, yes. She blends in very yeah. well. Uh, she She's like a target bomb. Yeah, yeah. She's been on things like The Brady Bunch and Chips, uh, MASH, Happy Days, Three's Company, Teen Witch. Oh. Yeah, so top of that. Uh, <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle. Let jing- that marinate. <laughs> Jingle All the Way, uh, From Earth to the Moon, Frasier, Girls, and I think this is a Yellowstone series, 1883. You watch Yellowstone? I think I've seen like one episode, but I think that's a prequel to Yellowstone. Okay, yeah. Then we have, I you know what, I forgot to write down what her name is in this. Elaine. Elaine. Is it Elaine? Allie Elaine. Walker? Oh, Allie Walker, yes. Allie Walker as Elaine. Um, I don't know like much about her either. Like, I don't recognize her from anything. Uh, I didn't either. Santa Barbara, LA Law, another LA Law alum. Yeah. This is this is the other thing, the other big connection. I always tell from the crypt there's always someone who was on LA Law. Right. I kind of feel like LA Law is like the bonanza of the nineties. Oh like, yeah. Everyone who's an, who's a star, who's an actor ends up on LA Law, just like well, the, it was like Bonanza back in the day. Yeah, because I mean, in the nature of that show, you're gonna have new actors. Yeah. each Episode. Yeah. So, um, oh, when the bow breaks, she was also on Wings. Uh, she was in Kazam, which oh. I think is more famous for people thinking it was Shazam. Uh, was that the Shaq movie? The Shaq movie. Oh, okay. yeah. Um, Sons of Anarchy, Longmire, and I think she did a long stint on The Profiler. Oh, cool. Then we have Vincent. What's his last name? Uh, <laughs> I said it perfectly. You did. Uh, Schiavelli. Schiavelli as Robert. This dude has, like, you won't know his name, but you will you recognize his face. Very he has recognizable. a very recognizable face. Um, he started out in The Great Gatsby, the Robert... Um, Robert Redford movie back in the 70s. Uh, he's been in things like uh, One Who Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, uh, American Pop, Night Shift. Not the Stephen King movie, but the uh, Michael Keaton movie where he's a morgue attendant. Oh, yeah. And like they say, he starts a prostitution ring out of the morgue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A uh, fun movie. At least I remember it being fun. I don't know if it holds up now. No, most <laughs> things don't. Yeah, 40 years later. Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Better Off Dead. You ever see that? Uh, That's a fun movie. I don't think so. John Cusack. I, I recommend I think you dig it. Better it's off a, it's, dead? Yeah, better hmm. off dead, yeah. Every time I hear that, I think about um, Drop Dead Fred. Drop Dead Fred. Yeah. You know, he might have been in that, too, honestly. Because oh, really? he, he's been in a ton of stuff, so I was like, I can't, I can't name everything he's been in for the past 15 it's years. It's funny, because when I, when I started the episode, I'm like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah. I would never be able to name him, but he's been in everything. I think one of the things I remember him most from was he was in Ghost. Oh, was he like the guy who died in the beginning? Or no, no, no. He is the ghost who teaches um, um, Patrick Swayze how to, do, like, how to manipulate the real world. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, it, Lord of Illusions, Death to Smoochie. Uh, he was in the X Files. This excellent episode of X Files that would took place at uh, Jim Rose's freak show or sideshow shirt sideshow oh, circus. I don't know if I've seen it. It's great. He has a he has a vestigial twin. He basically he's he's one of the guys in the freak show, right? Oh, right. He has a womb in his stomach that his twin comes out of at night and like eats people. Damn. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I, I, can I test your yeah. X-Files knowledge? Sure. Yeah. One of my favorite episodes, or most memorable mm-hmm. from my childhood, yeah. was there was someone who could stretch 
and went through ventilation shafts. That is Eugene Toomes from the episode Stretch and Toomes in the first season. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember being fucking terrified. Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing. He comes back every uh, 31 years, I think. Every, yeah, thir- every 30 years. They right? found his nest or they something. They found his like nest. That. He comes back every 30 years. In the episode, they say, um, if we don't stop him now, the next time we have a chance to stop him will be 2023. <gasps> yeah. But they killed him, so. Yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, the, our friend Vinny was in Dorf on Golf as well. <laughs> <laughs> so what? This episode's a mess. It's aptly titled "More." Literally, mess. yeah. Yeah. Um, they go a really long way for a mediocre yes joke, and I was mad that I did not realize the joke was coming. Uh, well, I I was be, mad at how bad the joke was and not seeing it from a mile away. Well, I guess I got spoiled because the um, I guess one of the reasons that we started the podcast was that me and Natalie were watching. Yeah, tell us from the crypt yeah. in order. Mm-hmm. So I had already seen this episode before, and I was like, I can't pinpoint this episode. What was it? And then when I started watching, and they show the name of the yeah. organization, I'm like, wow, fuck. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> it's about that time. Yeah. But are we ready to get into yeah, it? Yeah, let's get into it. Right. So, you know, to and, the title does not make sense. The title only makes sense in reference to the comic. How uh I'm trying to remember I mean, yeah. Yeah. I think really what would you change it to though? It could be anything. Well, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. Ghoul's night out? I, <laughs> Bruce just looked at me like I slapped his dog. <laughs> He's like, you fall, fuck. <laughs> get out. Okay, house. let's get into it. Let's do it. Once again, this is Morning Mess, season three, episode 10. <laughs> I almost fucked that up. Oh, man, you're flexing on me. <laughs> no, I'm worried. Uh, which premiered July 31st, 1991. The episode opens with the crib keeper dressed as a chef in a kitchen reading the latest Betty Croker. There's some good puns in this one. Oh, there's, in, yeah, the there's some gold. This, yeah. There's some gold. And he says, I'm trying to try out some new recipes. I hope you like shish kebab. And then he looks at an arm that's in a bo- boiling pot and says, it's not ready. Bob is still moving. Ah. It's another, go- this is a golden that, open. Yes, it's great. I think we need to like, designate when something's a golden you know, open. oftentimes it doesn't seem that the opening kind of jazzes or is coherent with the story right this is one of the times where it is except there's not much cooking there's there is not much cooking there is eating though yes well no yeah okay yeah, yeah. it makes sense yeah yeah you, you got me there yeah so that was awesome and the story opens with robert a homeless man is picking through the trash and he sees a newspaper with the headline Homeless killings baffle police. He enters his friend's tent, who is sick and coughing a lot. And he says that he wants to take him to the hospital, but his friend is reluctant. Robert says he's going to go for help and leaves. But as he leaves, unbeknownst to him, a shadowy figure is in the alley. As Robert walks away, he hears banging and struggling and races back to the tent, but he finds it smashed in. He pulls apart the cardboard foundation to find his friend's severed hand holding a hooch bottle. Robert screams and runs as the camera shows his bloody handprint on the cardboard, and we fade to black. 
this is what I think this is one of the better openings yeah. of the episode because usually in Tales from the Crypt there's not like a bit a splash. Yeah. You know like in comics where there's a splash page to yeah. kind of get you in the mood. Yeah, or like um on TV shows now they have that cold opening before the credits. Yes. Yeah. Like this, this is a very good cold open mm-hmm. to to get you ready for <laughs> yeah. the upcoming main event. So, when we come back, reporter Dale wakes up to find a woman in his bed. This might be the best scene in the whole thing. He wakes her up and tells her she needs to leave. The woman says, I thought we were spending the whole day together. And he says, that was Jack Daniels talking. (laughs) He's such a dick. (laughs) He rushes her out of the door when he realizes he is late because his electricity has been turned off and his alarm's not working. And she yells at him saying, fuck you, asshole. Dale grabs a bag with his press credentials and leaves. At the local cemetery, a group of seven previous homeless business people are having a press conference for their grateful, homeless, outcast, unwanted, layaway society. (laughs) Or grateful, homeless society for sure. But keep that in mind. Yeah. They're saying that it's an outreach program to help pay for funerals for the homeless. Which is kind of convenient because there's a homeless murder spree yeah. at the same time. Right. It doesn't... It, this doesn't make sense. And we'll get into well, it. Well, Dale bit, calls yeah. him out right away. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, he does call him out on that aspect of it, but the, whole, the their, their plot does not make sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Dale arrives mid-speech, but then a rival reporter talks shit to him. <laughs> this is great. On their way to the porter potty. Dale jams his hair comb into the lock and locking the reporter in the porter potty. <laughs> At the end of the speech, the head chair says, after a lifetime of pain, there'll be an eternity of dignity and directs all questions to another chair member, Jess. Jess takes the podium. Dale has the first question and says, which we're all fucking thinking right now. Wouldn't the money be spent better for those above ground? <laughs> Why not use that money for the homeless while they're alive? This is almost a uh, word for word, like taken directly from the comic. Yes. And one of the few times that they do have lines yes. directly borrowed. I think most of this is the same, except we talked about it before where the episode, the TV episode adds that 90s sleaze yeah. to it. So it, there's, it, there's no like, He's leaving a woman from a one night right, stand, right? Kind of thing. And it also packs some meat on the bones, yes, sort of speak. Uh, before it's they're stripped. Dun, 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 dun. And she replies, "There are plenty of other organizations to help the living." And Dale smartly, I will give him props for this. He's an asshole, but he makes sense. He says, "Well, clearly not enough to keep you from opening this place up." And Jess says, "Well, that's just your interpretation." And in the background. Robert uh, is sitting there eating a cocktail shrimp. He's just there. Just <laughs> yeah. the homeless guy. Just blah, blah, blah. Yeah. At the newspaper office, the editor, Elaine, sh- uh, sh- is reading uh, an article say- with a picture of Robert, the homeless man, saying homeless killer sought. So clearly people think that Robert is the homeless killer. Yes. She's reading it, and it's... Uh, I don't think it's Dale's story. He he's not writing that. No, no, he's no. Someone else wrote it. Right, right. Yeah. 
And Dale walks into her office and she criticizes his tardiness. Dale says, my electricity was cut off and I had no alarm. And in the best line of the whole episode, (laughs) she says, you should buy an alcohol power generator. (laughs) So you can piss in it every morning. Yes. (laughs) To make sure you always have power. And Dale says, why don't you give me a break? And she replies, how about severance? Damn. She's brutal. Oh, man. She's so brutal. Yeah. And obviously, he gets fired. She can crack walnuts in her hand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he gets fired and he, at his apartment, he walks in and hits his table with his foot because he doesn't have lights and the power is still out. He lights a candle and walks into the restroom while taking a piss. He sees Robert with a gun waiting for him in the bathroom. Like these, uh, the, the bathroom's darkened. Yes. And he kind of sees him like there's like a car goes by or something. There's a flash of light and he sees him for just a second. It's a great shot. Yeah. It's, it's probably the best shot of the episode for sure. Robert says, nice place, but it makes the streets look like the White House. Robert explains that he is not the killer. But if he said what's happening, he says, you'd be, you'd be, you'd think that there was a kink in my slinky. (laughs) That's the, I think uh, that terminology has changed in the past 30 years. I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't kink slinky shame. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. He tells for some reason Robert is talking like an old time like pulp or noir detective. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, (laughs) he's like, I tell you what was happening, but you'd think that'd be a clink of my snake. (laughs) (laughs) He tells Dale to scope out the new homeless cemetery at night to find the truth. Then Robert will spill the beans and even give names. City officials, he says, city officials with their mitts in the grateful homeless. Dale says, why me? Robert stares at him and says, because you look hungrier than I do. That's a great line. Yeah, that is yeah. a great, yeah, he's, I will say, like, he's probably the best actor of the, the episode. Yeah. For sure, his delivery is really good. And at the grateful homeless outreach, what the hell is it? I gotta <laughs> see it again. <laughs> the next scene is at the grateful homeless Outcast Unwanted Layaway Society Cemetery. They could have come up with a better name. No. Oh, it's important. Oh, yeah. It's it's real important. important. Yeah. Dale loads a fresh tape onto his tape recorder as the homeless homeless man is being buried. Jess shows up asking why he's there, in which he replies, I'm just following up, seeing if there's anything out of the ordinary. And she says, nothing here but the dead. Dale offers to have lunch with Jess, and Jess ask why she should accept. And Dale says, I'm more interesting than any gumbo you're dating. <laughs> Plus you can... <laughs> I'm gonna, what? I'm gonna, I don't know. I'm going to start referring to my uh, wife's exes as the gumbo she used to date. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's how we started the podcast. Because I was like, well, I'm better than any gumbo you're in a podcast with now. And you, I was like, you're right. <laughs> hey. <laughs> There's, they're not, you know, someone's going to be like, who the, what what did Bruce do before? Oh my God. I'm not, I'm more interesting than any gumbo you're dating. Plus you can see the story that I'm writing on your society. Later at Dale's apartment, Dale opens a bottle of wine as he and Jess begin their lunch. Jess says, I was thinking a nice quiet restaurant. And Dale says, well, this is quiet and you don't have to leave. There's a long pause, and he says, you don't have to leave a tip. 
<laughs> Jess says, just not the money tip. Oh. <laughs> Dale goes on to say that he lied and he doesn't have anything yet for his story. And Dale is surprised that she's not leaving. But instead, she says, it never hurt to improve press relations. Dale says, most spokespeople are not as funny or looked as good as she does. And he offers her a bite of his burger. And Jess says, I don't eat meat. And Dale says, you're not one of those. In which she replies, not exactly. <laughs> And the next scene, they are having sex. Yeah, they're they're going at it. Yes, they are. And she is biting the hell out of his shoulder. Nom, 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 nom. Yeah. Jess says, you're good enough to eat. <laughs> and Dale says, never met anyone like you. You wear me out. <laughs> you're the type of woman I could spend the rest of my life with. Oh, that is not the Jack Daniels talking. That, that is, is penis talking. Yeah, I put P2G, which is code for pussy too good. <laughs> so that P2G must have been worth it. I don't know. As they are making out at the end of their little seg session, Dale hits record on his tape recorder above the, um, like, what is it, like the post? There's a post above his bed? Yeah. There's like like a shelf. Yeah, a shelf above his bed. And he clicks to record. And Dale's- It's clumsy as hell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's obvious that, you know, he goes in the middle of making out and he just reaches his arm and you hear- Yeah. So he's clearly doing something. Dale says, hey, off the record- what do you think of the society you're in? And she says, who cares? And she turns on top of him for round dose. <laughs> but she clearly looks up and sees there's a tape recorder. Yeah, yeah. He does not hide it well. And Jess angrily says, off the record, she gets off of him and starts putting on her clothes. Is this your own personal press conference? She rips the tape up. I'm calling this a media blackout. <laughs> Dale says, I'm only doing my job. And Jess says, you don't want to see me do mine. I'm a girl you could spend your whole life with? Question mark. And Dale says, eh, I lied. Well, you know what? Uh, she They're both right in a way. Yo, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He will end up spending the rest of his life with her. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, sad. And he says, I lied. I was just pumping you for information. Oh, man. Get it. You know, it's funny. God, that's the second time today within a day that I heard someone use the word pumping in terms of sex. Like, I was watching this reality show with Grace, right? Uh And there's like these two contestants who fell in love with each other, right? Mm -hmm. And they're like, the one said to the other, she's like, he says to her, oh, are you going to pump me? Ugh. like they can finally get they, they're finally gonna do it right and he's like oh you're gonna pump me and i was like oh god oh. why would you first off the dude had a scottish accent when he said this and i don't i don't know how scotland's a real place because their accents are so silly <laughs> <laughs> they um they have a lot of uh no maybe i'm thinking of welsh welsh yes that i don't understand how they spell things okay let me, i got a story about that okay right, so you know my last name yeah okay um Yes. Um, I met a guy from Wales um, a couple of years ago and uh, I got talking. I was like, yeah, my family's actually from there. Uh-huh. Um, he's like, okay, where's your family from? And I was like, the, the town my family is from has the same last name as me. And it's, it's on like the border. It's in England, but it's on the border with Wales mm-hmm. and it's actually a Welsh town. And he goes, oh, he goes, oh, oh yeah, I know that. You're not saying it right. Oh, he goes, it's Prithy. Prithy. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. So my family's been saying our name wrong for generations. 
Damn. Yeah. <laughs> in the alleyway, Dale looks for Robert, and he gets spooked by Robert grabbing him, and he is bleeding. Robert says, what did you see at the cemetery? Dale says, just the dead. And Robert says, you dickhead. You didn't stay long enough. And he dies. He didn't even go at night either. He just went there today, the didn't he? He went there at late day, but then he got he got distracted by, by the Putin nanny. Yes, yes, his dick led him astray. Oh yes, yes, it happens to the best of us. Hey, I get it. Yeah, Dale says, "But I need this story. Don't you die on me?" And with Robert's blood on his shirt, Dale returns to his apartment, and he has been evicted. Ooh, Ooh he should have seen that coming. Well, because they don't they don't just evict you. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Jess didn't see it coming. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, later on the streets, Dale is drinking while a man calls him a bum. Dale drinks more and he passes out next to his car. Later, he wakes up in the rain and goes back to Elaine begging for another assignment. Elaine, looking at his appearance, says... What you need is a burial. <laughs> yeah. Which is, she's, come, she, she's And she's like, fire. what we need, we're going to need someone to come clean up after you being in here. Right. Because he's looking ragged. Like, he has these giant bags under his eyes. He slept in the rain. Yeah, he slept in the rain. Yeah. It's rough. And he's El still drunk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Elaine asked the reporter who took Dale's job, which, by the way, was the rival yes. reporter that he locked, that Dale locked in the porta potty. Yeah. She asked him to cover the burial of the, quote, homeless killer, Robert. And Elaine threatens to call security unless Dale leaves. But he does. That night at the burial, Dale watches as Robert is buried. Dale stays up all night watching Robert's plot, which is slightly raised. But all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, it slowly sinks with mechanical noises being heard. And Dale says, son of a bitch. <laughs> Which, by the way, um, I mean, he should have just done what Robert asked him to do. Yeah, yeah. Stay there all night. He would have known. Yeah. He could have got the story to begin with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dale digs the grave and discovers that there is a door instead of a coffin. He falls through, revealing an underground cave system with lamps lighting the walkways but there's no body. Dale walks through it, discovering bones everywhere. He sees someone is walking around and he hides in a nearby coffin. Multiple figures walk past the coffin and Dale looks around and he's in the coffin with Robert. Oh no. Like, well, some of Robert. Well, yeah. <laughs> Robert has actually been all chewed up. Yes. His arms, he, he's basically been almost like just gnawed to the bone. He's, for basically, most of his body. Like, he's basically a fleshy head on uh, some ribs that have been picked over. Right, right. He, he's not, he's had better days. Yeah. Dale screams and he, he says, let me out of here. And by the way, at this point, there is a Sam Raimi shake cam shots through the cave. Yeah. The same thing as like the evil dead. Yeah. Like it goes through the cave. Dale finally gets out of the coffin, and it's been placed in the middle of a large dinner table. Bells ring, and Dale sees a normal presentation for steak, such as wet naps and A1 steak sauce, and paintings all around him of ghoulish people with sharp teeth. Yeah, so these people, they almost look like, uh, uh, they almost kind of look like sharks wearing clothing. Yeah, basically, like it's bald, like bald, pointy it, ears, sharp teeth. Yeah, um, 
and they're wearing like colonial style clothing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So who's ever been in this um, particular dining room? This has been going on for centuries. Oh, yes. Yeah. The man who presented the original press conference says, hello, Mr. Sweeney. Nice of you to drop by for dinner. Oh, this this is just puns. Oh, yeah. Constant puns. The whole story is yeah. one big pun. In walks in the rest of the society, and Dell says, who the hell are you people? The man says, it depends. We are the homeless killer, but you may call us ghouls. <laughs> it's been a long time since we've had fresh meat. And it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any... Well, they are ghouls. I mean, ghouls technically are um, yeah, so creatures we'll get, that eat the yeah. dead. Yeah, we'll get into it in a second. But. Right. And Dale tries to run, but is cut off by the rival reporter, who is also a ghoul reporter, and he says, I'm not that hungry. I'll just have a pinch, and rips Dale's ear off and eats it. And there is just so much blood coming out from his ear. Yeah. Like it's like he cut an artery. Out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just then, Jess walks in. Dale, grabbing his bloody ear, yells, help me. And Jess says, I said I didn't eat meat, but I lied. She takes off a, a, a small mask and Dale screams. Jess, moving towards the camera, she says, I knew you were good enough to eat. Dale screams and we fade to black. So, for those who didn't already catch it, it's... <laughs> I don't. The Grateful Homeless Outcast Unwanted Layaway Society is acronym for Ghouls. Dun dun dun. Yay. <laughs> Bruce is not amused. Uh, in the Cryptkeeper kitchen, the Cryptkeeper is nomming on a bone, and he says, Pretty tasteless, wouldn't you say? <laughs> Sweeney learned not to dig into other people's business, but he found out a new career as a ghost writer. (laughs) I love that that's the biggest tickle you get out of the episode. (laughs) And that's the episode. That's cute. It makes no sense. I mean, it's... So, okay. They haven't had fresh meat in a while. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't understand what their plot is. Are they, <laughs> plot. Are, yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't understand. Like, are they killing homeless people to put them in the cemetery so then they then they can eat them? Yes. I guess that makes sense. Why not just Why not just take them and eat them? Why have like well? So I'm assuming that this underground tunnel has been there for a long time. Yeah, centuries. And so. I guess they were just like, hey, why don't we just have the dead just come to us? Yeah. But the, the, here's the thing. Like, that seems like a lot of work. So it, you it have way to, too much work. You have to go find them. Yeah. You got to kill them. Yeah. You got to have them buried. Right. And then you open the door to have the remains right. dropped on you. Yeah. And it might as well just, when you kill them, eat them. It, 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 they don't need to go through all that to kill homeless people and eat them. Right. Yeah. Have you heard? I'm sure you have, but have you heard of this concept called the less dead? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For so sure. for anyone who doesn't know, the less dead is this term used in like criminology and sociology to describe how police look at um, people that are marginalized in society. These are typically like homeless people, prostitutes, you know, right. uh, people with mental um, either deficiencies or uh, illnesses, whatever. And they can even like even people without the without without being marginalized like that. You can even have like a uh, black men 
oftentimes or they're considered less dead. Um, they will be killed. Their bodies will be found and no one will care. No one will bother to investigate it. Right. Or they'll disappear and they will make a token effort to investigate these deaths, but they don't care because these people aren't the, 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 the right people of society, not the, the people they're supposed to be protecting. There's not enough people angry about their deaths. Exactly. And so to them, to yeah, them, to, that's to, them, to them. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and so they could kill all the homeless people they wanted. No one would care. Yeah. And, and, you know, because, because we see this a lot of times with serial killers. They start out with the homeless or prostitutes or, you know, right. et cetera. And they get away with it a long time because the police don't investigate these things. Right. The police weren't going to investigate these homeless people disappearing because homeless people disappear. Yeah. So they just put in way it's too much really work convoluted. It. it is really convoluted. It almost feels like, like it's something they have to do. Yeah. Right. They have to go through this process. Uh, I right? can see that. It, even like to the extent of we have to make our name ghouls. That's part of the process. Wink, wink, nudge, wink, nudge. wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, but that—that's too much like supervillain monologuing, you know. Oh yeah, it's very campy. Yeah, very, very campy. Yeah, and the episode isn't played campy until the very end. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, I do think that it is cool that Jess reveals herself to be a ghoul and then attacks him. But our view is from his perspective. Yeah. So she's basically lunging at the camera. Yeah. I think that's a cool. It's weird. I like the first scene. Mm-hmm. I like the last scene. Okay. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. This you know? is a C. It's yeah. It's a C. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It's, it's cool. I mean, they go a long way just to have that joke that right. they're ghouls. The title is a pun too. It's a it's a play on something else, but oh. it makes no sense. Right. In in the episode, it makes sense in the comic. Right. So, speaking of which, speaking of which, yeah, let's go into the comic. Let's see here. Let me get my notes up again. All right. So, this was originally published in Tales from the Crypt number 38. What year was that published, do you know? Uh 19 I think 53, I think. 53. So, this story actually takes place in the 60s. Mm. Because We'll we'll get into it. Why it takes place in the sixties? Okay. Okay. Seven years after covering the opening. Oh wait, ha- hang on a second. Uh, this is written by Bill Gaines and Al Feldstein. Uh, art by Gra- uh, Gasly Graham Ingalls and coloring by Marie Severin. Queen. Uh, seven years after covering the opening of the Grateful Hobos, Outcasts, and Unwanted Layaway Society's new cemetery for the homeless, Sweeney, a reporter, is tasked with doing a story on their one thousandth burial. But oh, ten thousand. Is it? It doesn't matter because either way. Oh yeah, it's. it's I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But Sweeney becomes suspicious when he realizes there's not enough room in the cemetery for that many bodies. Digging up a grave to find out what's really going on, he discovers a buried door instead of a coffin. Behind this door waits a horrific truth, one connected to the Tales from the Crypt comic. Dun dun dun. dun, dun. That was really cool. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. Was... It's silly. It's very meta. Oh, it's yeah. kind of silly, but they've done it before, though. They're, yes, the one with yeah, the yeah. sewer. Yeah, the sewers. Yeah, and, and the one with uh, Corman. Yes, came or I'm sorry, Corman's came plan. in. Jack came in. I'll never live that calamity. down. What's that? Corman's calamity. Corman's calamity. Cayman's calamity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, this is also narrated by the old witch. Yes, it which is. Which we don't see a lot. No, we don't. And this is actually, like, it, is, it isn't from Tales from the Crypt, but the section was Haunt of Fear, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a re, not a reprint. It's not a reprint, but, like, they, even though it'd be, like, the Tales from the Crypt, which is a Crypt Keeper comic, mm-hmm. the other hosts would have their own section, and it would be titled whatever their comic yeah, was. And yeah, and most of their opening narrations is them talking shit to one another. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, you don't want that story. Check this out. Yeah. Kind of thing. And oftentimes, the old witch, her... um her monologues in the beginning are like cooking related. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Oh, check out this new horrific stew I'm making. Yes. Or, yeah. Know, stuff like that. Uh, we ready? Yeah. All right. Uh, morning mess from tell us from the crypt. Number 38 narrated by the old witch. The story starts with a man digging a grave, thinking to himself, grateful hobo society is too fishy. And I'm an experienced reporter. I sense these things. I sensed it the day of the press conference. Flashback to the press conference. Yeah. Mayor Merck is on the podium. <laughs> yeah, that's his in- name. Huh? That's his name. Yeah, it is. Mayor Merck is on the podium and introduces Felix J. Copard, who the mayor ex- uh, accepted his offer to have the Grateful Hobo Society take care of the homeless who have passed on with no one to bury them. Copard of the Grateful Hobo Outcast Layaway Society is a group of businessmen wanting to give back to the city. No longer will taxes pay for the burial of the homeless. Reporter Sweeney asks why not help them when they're alive? Copart explains the society were all bums at one point, but got to where they were without the help of other people and still (laughs) wish hobos to help themselves. I don't think... I don't think these guys at any point were ever homeless. No. No. Sweeney still says that he doesn't get it and thinks that something fishy is going on. Yeah. These, these guys are very Republican. Yeah. Just pull (laughs) yourself up by the bootstraps. You know, you can't pull yourself up by the bootstraps if you don't have straps or boots. That's true. Sweeney watches the first burial and for years that followed, he got more suspicious, especially that there is no grave mounds. He is told to cover the 10,000th burial at the Grateful Hobo Society Cemetery. So there's a big seven-year jump. Yes, there is. And this is why this happens in the future. Well, there's a seven-year jump, but we'll get into where this takes place in a few minutes. Yeah. So Sweeney says that this is the 10,000th buried dead, but that must be impossible. There's not that many dead hobos in seven years. Sweeney watches the 10,000th burial and stays a while, thinking that something is up, as all the other plots have no grave mounds, and there is not enough room for 10,000 graves. Sweeney buys a shovel, thinking that there might be, they might be stacking the bodies on top of one another, or worse. That's a common thing in old cemeteries. That happened here at the Eastern Cemetery. Wow. Down the street. Yeah, they were just burying bodies on top of, on top of each other. So yeah, that, and that cemetery's been around since the Civil War, I think. Oh, damn. Because there was Cave Hill, yeah. right, which was the White Cemetery, and I think Eastern Cemetery was, which is right next to it, mm-hmm. uh, was the uh, African-American Cemetery. I, oh, yeah. Wow. Damn. I think. I think it's... Oh, well, who's going to correct me? No one. <laughs> There's, oh, the, you know, someone will. <laughs> Strong Jeff? Hmm? Um, that night, Sweeney... Shout out to Strong Jeff. Merry Christmas to you and your family. That yeah, night, Merry Christmas, man. 
Yeah. <laughs> that night, Sweeney waited all night, and he finally sees the grave mound sink to the level with the earth. He, he starts digging the grave and finds a metal door. He falls down in the collapsed door and is greeted by Mr. Copard. Copard points a gun at Sweeney and forces him to walk along with him through the cave path. Copard says that his society got the idea from the comic Tales from the Crypt <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and the story of Midnight Mess. Yes. So that's why this is called Morning Mess is because of the play on the title Morn- uh, Midnight Mess, which and- is a play on the term Midnight Mass. Damn, I never, I didn't, didn't click with me. That, that didn't click with me. Oh my God. That did not click with me. And it's a story about vampires finding a way to get blood sent to them. And Sweeney says, so you're vampires? And Copart says, oh no, you see our initials stand for ghouls. Sweeney opens the door and sees 20 to 30 ghouls looking at him with napkins waiting for the feast. The old witch says, the organization's cheer is ra ri reen sis boom bean <laughs> stick him in an ash can his bones are picked clean. <laughs> that's their that's the, that's the ghouls fight song. <laughs> so, for those who don't know, uh, in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, schools, um, football teams, just anybody would have cheers. Yeah. Like yeah. a designated cheer for yeah. their team. And this was theirs. And uh, on behalf of everyone, boo. They still have them, but no one knows them anymore. I, I mean, don't. Yeah, I don't. I knew I knew in high school my, my school had one, but no one ever said it. No, or, yeah, you know, yeah. No one, it'd be I, printed in like the yearbook or some nonsense. Right. I mean, you have the fight song. Right. Which usually doesn't have lyrics. It's yeah. just an orchestral piece. I think like the football firms in you know, Europe and Asia, they have fight songs. Oh, yeah. That people know, they which are cheers. awesome. They, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, but yeah. they'll also beat the shit out of you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, and that's the story. Yeah. That's really it. That's I was, it. I liked it more. Yeah, I think I did too. A little less sleaze. It gets direct to the point. It's a bit. It's a bit more campy. With but at the least whole, it accepts the camp. Yes, with the whole like, oh, we actually got this idea from a comic book. Right. Yeah. Right. They're like, hey, uh, we watch this. Uh, and watch. They're not. Um, they're not monsters in the comic. They're just people. I mean, they're ghouls. I mean, they they eat dead bodies. Yeah, but they are not. Um, they're not monsters like in the comic. They're just normal people when they show the oh, art shit. for them. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it plays on like I think that these stories like this have always been around of like the uh, the bizarre habits of the rich. Yeah, the underground rich. society yeah. of cannibals. Under, yeah, underground cannibals, or even like you know you see it today with the like QAnon where they are yeah, sexually abusing and cannibalizing children. Jesus. For their adenochrome. You didn't know that? No. That's the whole. Oh God. Well, I'll tell you off the air about like what. QAnon believes it's insane. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you see this over and over again, and, and I think the story has been repeated in different things before. Like there's a um, uh, there's a great episode of um, Masters of Horror, which mm-hmm. was the early 2000s uh, anthology series on, on Showtime, and it was also I think it was also based on a Bentley Little story called The Washingtonians, where all the founding fathers were actually cannibals. What? And uh they revolted against the against England 
so they could continue their cannibalism. And so there's been like this cult of people called the Washingtonians that dress like the founding fathers and eat bodies. Oh my God. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> and so like, there's been like this secret war between the crown and America. Cause like the crown wants to come here and stop the cannibalism. Oh my God. <laughs> Damn. Uh, so like stories like, the, like this have been around forever. Even like going back to like things like, uh, the blood libel. Have you ever heard of this? No, this is, um, old accusations against Jews that like they would kill Christian kids for their blood or eat them and put them in their matzah bread or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, the stories like this have been around forever, forever. Um, but I think specifically this one, it it borrows a lot from an HP Lovecraft story. Oh, uh, Pikmin's model. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Like what we talked about earlier, that was translated clumsily. (laughs) <laughs> on, uh, I can uh, hear the judgment in the, your voice. Uh, uh, ben, uh, not Benicio del Toro, Guillermo del Guillermo Toro's. Del, uh, uh, well, as someone who doesn't know the original story, yes. I thought it was good. Um, okay, so in the original story, um, it's this guy telling you about his friendship with this artist named Robert Upton Pickman, who was played by Christopher Glovin, mm-hmm. um, or Chris, Crispin Glover. Yep. Crispin Glover. Uh, he's played by Crispin Glover in the episode of Cabinet of Curiosities. Um, and he was this renowned artist. And he was he was starting to become famous in Boston, but he kind of scandalized the Boston Boston. Uh, he kind of scandalized the Boston art scene because his paintings were so graphic. Yeah, like they'd have mon- he'd have like depictions of monsters like eating babies and oh, stuff. Sure. And so um, he goes and meets uh, Pickman, the the narrator of the story, goes and meets Pickton at at his home and or his gallery or his art studio, or whatever. And he's taking him on a tour of all his paintings. They're getting more and more progressively disturbing. Oh yeah. Right. And monstrous. And, uh, every so often Pikmin will disappear with a gun. And at one point he hears like six shots go off. Oh, and so he comes back with his gun smoking and his, his, the narrator's like, okay, what the hell was that? And he's like, Oh, I just have a really bad rat problem. <laughs> but he's clearly shaken up. Yeah. Right. And at another point he leaves and just disappears from yeah. his own home. And so the narrator starts snooping around his home and finds photographs that he'd been taking. And he'd been painting from real life. He'd been taking pictures of these monsters. Oh shit. Doing these things. Yeah. Right. So that's the, that's the big horror. Right. Right. Um, and so the, and Lovecraft calls those monsters ghouls. And apparently they preyed on mostly the dead, except right. for the ones he saw, he, they were preying on, um, the living. Right. Right. Um, the episode, the the Kevin and Curiosities episode, kind of borrows from that, mm-hmm. and in the mouth of madness, it it, it adds a psychological twist. Yeah, to like we're just looking at the paintings drives you insane. Right, right. Um, but apparently, the, in the story, the paint the the photographs are so horrific that the narrator was like in World War One, mm-hmm. and he's like, "This is worse than anything I've ever seen in the war." Damn. Yeah. Wow. And he he actually suffers like a mental breakdown because of it. Ugh. Like he can't go in subways anymore, like looking like wells or things. Yeah. Um, it also borrows from this HP Lovecraft story called The Lurking Fear, where there were this inbred family mm-hmm. became cannibalistic monsters and they were living under their, like in tunnels under their old mansion. Ugh. Right. Um, both of these were adapted <laughs> into a movie called Bleeders. Yeah, Never heard of it. it's it's really bad. It was direct, direct to video. It came out in the nineties, I think, or maybe early two thousands. Is it gold? It's worth it just because it has one of the grossest scenes I've ever seen in the movie before. Ooh, yeah. All right. Yeah, it has Rucker Howard in it, and that's about it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and it, I, you may remember it because it I, when it was in the video stores, it had a special cover that when you moved it, it looked like it was bleeding. 
I don't think I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. You may. Cool. Yeah. It was in like every single video store had it, but I never rented it. And a few years ago I was bored at work and turned it on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh that's Pikmin's model. And <laughs> right. this episode. Right. So I have a suggestion for you. What's up? So they talked about morning mess. Mm-hmm. Not morning mess. They talked about midnight mass. Yes. Pfft, Jesus Christ. So they talked about midnight mess. Yes. Right. Midnight Mess was not adapted for Tales from the Crypt. Oh, really? As far as I know of. However, it was adapted for the Vault of Horror movie from the 1970s. Uh, uh, I have that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I it's feel like the, I've seen it. It's one of the stories. Oh, I have to go back and watch it now. Would you like to, instead of doing the next episode, instead of like going to the next episode uh-huh. of the series, we could review that, that segment of the movie and that comic? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. I'm down. So, um... Midnight mess, mess. Okay, sweet. So, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. I forgot to mention the reason this takes place in the future. Okay, the reason this takes place the seven in the future, year jump. What the time jump? Yes, the they tell you that the the comic they borrowed it from was from the Midnight Mess story. Yeah. That was only three issues before, oh. which was only six months before the story was written. So they, I wanted a time between the epi- the stories being published. Yeah. So the ghouls got on the story really quickly. Damn. Yeah, because there's only three months. So they opened up the cemetery. They opened up the cemetery three months or so after this. They Those read this story, published. right? The story itself takes place seven years in the future. So this actually takes place in 1960. Oh wow. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, that's a really great idea. I yeah. love that. Yeah. That we're going to uh, cover. This is, so the, really, this is almost sort of part one. Yeah, this is part one. Yeah. Of, it, <laughs> of a two part. It's a prize two parter. A surprise two parter. Yeah. Um, as far as the story that um, Morning Mess, I give the episode a C and I give the comic a B. Yeah. Because I yeah. guess maybe it's because they tried to put a serious slash sleazy. Uh, spice on top of a campy story. Yeah. And in the comic, it's just campy. And I think oftentimes in the, the, they were treating the show seriously, Mm -hmm. right? But they tried to put all these puns in. Oh yeah. At the same time. Like they couldn't find the balance they wanted. Also the reporter was a piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can't root him on. I'm like, because in the comic, the reporter is just a dude. Yeah. Yeah. He he almost has like no personality. Yeah. He's He's just obsessed with, thinking something's wrong with the cemetery mm-hmm. that's it yeah so um yeah so i don't know why they made him a down his luck alcoholic reporter like unless you're like i'm the root for this underdog but eh. yeah he's, well, i think they're obsessed with the whole like they need someone someone always to has to be sleazy and, yeah yeah so it's that 90s sleaze yeah, yeah early 90s sleaze um well i lost my train of thought damn it Mm. Huh. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, what do we have next? But we already know. We already know. What we We're going to cover Midnight Mess. Midnight Mess. And it. a surprise two-parter. Yeah. yeah. So we'll be covering the comic, which was Tell Us in the Crypt number 35. 35, right. And now. the segment was covered in, or adapted for the Vault of Horror. Vault of Horror? Yeah. Movie from Amicus in 1973, I believe. I think so. Yeah. It's a readily available online. Like on Tubi has it. Oh, that, yeah. I mean, the Tales from the Crypt movies is amazing as well. Yeah. The, uh, Amicus's anthology movies. Oh, they're so good. They stand up with Hammer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. I would say they do better. At, well, Hammer never really did anthology movies. No, but I, in terms of like um, the production quality, I, the production quality, and like the atmosphere they put to it. Also, a lot of the same actors. Yes, a lot of the same actors. Yeah. Because yeah. so. I think 
Hammer was on their way out at the time. Probably, yeah. Yeah. I would say around the early 70s. And this been, is when Amicus picked up. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But, um, once oh, again, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Ebenezer. Ebenezer. This is Ebenezer's our uh, intern. Oh. Uh, could you get that package for me? Oh, wh- what? <laughs> <laughs> I had something show up. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, Bruce just reached down and hit, like, smacked his cheek against a soda can. Um, it's empty. Oh, okay. Thank God. Wow, this showed up. Oh my right God! Christmas. Oh but my God! Have to be recorded. This is really heavy. It should be really heavy. Oh, uh, that's what she said. Ah, thank, uh, thank you. I'm often told my sack is heavy. Oh, ooh. <laughs> what is this? Ooh, the best of EC stories. What is this? The book. So if you look at it, if you flip through it, it's in black and white, but it's scans of the plates they use to publish. Oh, that's cool. And so like, you can see like notes and stuff and where they made corrections. Oh, that's so rad. Yeah. So yeah, this is scans of EC comic stories, but like Bruce said, before they went to publication. Yeah. It's the original actual, uh, it's the proofs where it has the, the writing notes. Yeah. And you can see, like, in there, too, where, like, they would uh, make corrections to the art. Right. Yeah. I see, like, words scratched out, and there's fingerprints on yeah. it. Yeah. And, like, stamps so, and stuff. I had I have a few of um, uh, comic pages like this from Daredevil. Yeah. Like, authentic pages. Yeah. But I never knew that they reprinted them to put them in a book. Yeah. That's so cool, dude. Seriously, thank you. I've been you. waiting for that to show up forever. <laughs> that's amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, that's so rad. Sick. Awesome. I'm excited. That's so rad. That's a nice cover, too. Yeah, it's a very cool That's cover. super nice cover. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Merry Christmas. Uh, Merry Blake. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Um, we just... Did you want the package? No, I'll keep it. Oh, okay. I, well, some it's people are like, man, eh, you know. I don't care. Um, we, we bought them for 50 cents. Oh, I don't know. Um, well, thank you. That's, that's, super, that's super dope. Um, just wanted to wish everyone, once again, happy holidays, happy New Year. We want, and me, and the rest of the... We need a cool name for... The people who listen to the podcast, the Kryptonites. I like, you know what? That kind of tinges my Superman heart. Yes. <laughs> I knew it. I had that locked in the chamber. So, me and the rest of the Kryptonite, which sounds like Canaanites. Yeah. From Kane in WWF. Yeah. Or the Canaanites were also what the vampires called themselves in Vampire the Masquerade, which we brought oh up earlier. See, yeah. look. Yeah. See, it all comes together. Yeah. Me and the rest of the Kryptonite would like to wish you a very happy new year and safe travels. On your vacation. Thank you. Thank you. For sure. And hope everyone's well. Stay warm. Stay safe. And thank you again. Once again, share the podcast with a friend. <laughs> I don't, I forgot. Leave a rating review on the podcast app of your choice. Yep. yep. We also, <laughs> I can't, I can't remember that part. We also have social media. Yes, we do. I know that motherfucker. <laughs> Let's go. And uh, you can catch me on Twitter at horror Ryan. You can also catch Bruce at Mr. Spooky Bruce and the podcast at crypt keepers pod on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. We also have email. We what is it, Bruce? Email. It's crypt keepers. Show pod. Crypt keepers. The Crib Keeper Show at, at the the gmail.com. gmail.com. <laughs> Please leave a rating and a like and share with a friend. We already said that. Oh, fuck. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but so, until next time. Happy New Year, kitties. Oh.